Island Church in Galveston, Texas, welcomes you to our podcast. Be encouraged by Pastor Rusty Martin as he teaches the Word of God. Chapter in which Jesus goes into the wilderness, comes out anointed by the Holy Ghost. Look there in verse 18. This is Jesus speaking. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now notice this. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovering of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach or to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now that is a direct quote out of Isaiah chapter 61 in which Jesus did not quote that entire scripture because that entire scripture uh, uh, went like this to preach uh, uh, the day of the, how did it say, how did it say it here? Let me make sure I get it right. Uh, the day, if I, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach, now notice how it says it here, the acceptable year of the Lord. But see, the next part of that scripture said, in the day of the vengeance of our God. So you've got to understand that Isaiah was a prophet that could look down the corridor of time and see both comings of the Lord Jesus Christ. He saw both dispensations that Jesus would initiate the acceptable year of the Lord and then the day of the vengeance of our God. Thank God we did the right thing in the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, if you study that, that phrase, and a lot of theologians and other people have studied that, you know, it literally is talking about that a, a dispensation would be upon the earth in which there would be no judgment from God. Now, I know that there are a lot of ministers right now, if you, you know, watch Christian TV or listen to the radio much or podcast or whatever you listen to, a lot of people are declaring judgment right now, that there's judgment upon the earth. But in reality, what's really going on right now is just think of the wage that man has earned for 6,000 years with his sinfulness and his iniquity and how that wage is being paid right now. I mean, the leadership of most of the world is perverse. They're just perverse people. They're, they're filthy people. They're, they're you know, uh, the, this, this, the rich get richer. Well, they're not really getting richer. They just may be accumulating no, uh, more money, but they're not really getting richer. Amen. Now, the thing we must understand is that in the midst of all of this, uh, this dispensation of 2,000 years is the only time in the history of the earth in which the grace and mercy of God is here in this way. In which the will of man, a man could actually, a man or a woman, could actually submit themselves to what God says in his word and receive that mercy, receive that grace, become what the Bible calls born again and be a new creature in Christ. That's so awesome. I don't think our minds can really comprehend that, but it's so awesome. It's actually uh, being, granted, uh, being granted the ability to be a new being. You're a new being on the inside. You're not the being that was born onto the earth uh, through, the, through the womb of your mother and the seed of your father. What you are is a, you're, you're, a, you're a part of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have the life of God on the inside of you. Now you're birthed of God. Now you're birthed of God. Amen. That's exactly what Jesus was talking about in John chapter 3. But now I wanted you to notice something here that Jesus said. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now notice this. He hath he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Everybody say brokenhearted. Broken. Now, a lot of times we don't realize how God deals with us in such a way in order to allow us access to many of the hurts and pains of life that many of us have, have suffered and went through. You know, you can, you, uh, people can be disappointed in you. You can be disappointed in yourself. You can have all these, these downs and these negative things that happen. And they become, if you're not careful, they become like weights in your soul, in your mind, your emotions, and your will. They affect the way you think. They, they affect the, uh, the choices you make. Amen. And they affect how you feel. You're always being, you're always doing things because of how you think, how you feel. So you choose to do things. And when we do that, we, we always do the wrong thing. And many times it's not the brokenheartedness produced uh, by, by, by a life of sin because God has such a tender way of healing people of their past. 
Many times it's disappointments in serving God that so weighs upon your heart and keeps you from really becoming the man or woman that God wants you to be because you've had some disappointments. You've had some things happen to you. You maybe even have gotten offended and gotten hurt uh, in a church situation or maybe maybe uh, uh, maybe you had a marriage that went bad. I, they say that, that the, uh, the divorce rate in the world in the church is about the same. Amen? Just because you're a Christian, that doesn't guarantee anything unless you learn to walk in love, and that guarantees everything. You say, what do you mean by that? It can't be that simple, Pastor. Yeah, it is that simple. It's absolutely that simple. Amen? You walk in love, that takes care of everything. And so it's those areas we don't walk in love. Many times we suffer brokenheartedness or we become brokenhearted and in the midst of all of that, we don't realize, we realize we're trying to live life, uh, you know, uh, here on this earth at one of the most critical times in history on the planet of the earth. And our soul is messed up and we can't think right. We can't feel right. Therefore, we don't do right. So it's a real tormenting, what would you call it? A real tormenting cycle to get into. And the thing is, you've just got to open yourself up and make a decision. You know, God, you have, you have me. Now, you're not trying to convince him of it. You're trying to convince you of it. Amen. Because all those areas of our life that we hold back and try to say, well, you know, I may hold on to this or I may hold on to that or, or, or that's too painful to deal with or this is too hurtful. You, you've got to let God in there. You've got to let him get in there and make you whole and heal you in areas that if he does not make you whole may fester in your life and become something very dangerous to you. People don't realize that. Amen? Now, Notice this again. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because, everybody say because, there was a purpose there. He had anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, sent me, now notice the word he uses, heal. Everybody say heal. Now when you study the word heal or healing or different you know, uh, versions of that word, it is used in the word of God. And this literally talks about the recovering of a wound or an injury. Now, many times we suffer wounds or injuries in the flesh. And, you know, I, I really don't need no more stitches. I had plenty growing up. Amen. I met a man the other day. I walked into a, to a deer camp the other day and met a man that I, I knew I'd, I'd met him about 30 years ago and know who he is. And so he shook my hand and he said to me this. He said, I can tell by your bloodshot eyes you're a, you're a man of a misspent youth. I said, you're right. <laughs> Amen. So there's always telltale signs of where you've been and what you've done. Amen. So you've got to make a decision, though, that whatever you've done, whatever you've gone through, that God has access to you in order to bring healing, total wholeness. Now, listen, let me say this, too. God doesn't come in and just erase your mind. What he does is he imparts a grace to you where, number one, you're able to forgive. Number two, you're able to be healed of whatever it is that has disappointed you and broken your heart. Isn't it amazing that one of the first things Jesus said, I've come to heal the brokenhearted. He must knew there's going to be a whole bunch of brokenhearted people. Amen? Now you can imagine what it was like in his day. The Jewish people of that day, they were all brokenhearted. Their nation was under occupation from the Roman army. They were under horrible taskmasters that, that treated them like slaves. Uh, their, religious, uh, their religious identity had been corrupted by, by money and wealth and all that type of stuff. So they had no real true access to God. And then all of a sudden, here comes this guy Jesus on the scene. For the first time, the brokenhearted had hope. Amen? Amen? Now, in Luke, there's a story. It's in Luke chapter, let me find it here. It's in Luke chapter 7. I, everybody's familiar with it, but I wanted to go study this story. And actually what I did is I studied several stories. It's in Luke chapter, uh, let me find it here. Luke chapter 7, I believe it's in. Well, I had it marked here and I moved my marker. I'll find it. Give me just a minute. Well, Lord, you're going to have to help me now. Where are you? Luke chapter 7. It's the story of the woman who poured the alabaster, broke the alabaster box, and it was Mary who did it. I read it in every other one. Let me find it here. Say it again. 36? I was on the wrong page. 
problem is I can't see my numbers on this book. Here it is. You're right in verse 36. I had it marked with a big C. <laughs> Here we go. Afterward, now listen to this. This is, you know, let me just say this before I read the story because it reads so well in the, in the, in the uh, message Bible. When I came back to the Lord 30-something years ago, I was broken. I was absolutely broken. And, and many times brokenness is not visible outwardly. But man, if, they, if people could look, on, look, look at you on the inside, man, you, you're, you're messed up. You know what I'm talking about? And so the most preeminent need in my life when I came back to the Lord was to be healed of a broken heart. And I think one of the reasons God surrounded me with a lot of older believers like Papa Ward, Mama Ward, people like that is because I needed that level of love to heal, of acceptance. Amen. Because see, acceptance from people vindicates you in, in the kingdom because if people accept you for what they know God wants to do with you instead of judging you for what you have done, it sure does help heal your broken heart. Amen. 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 And the church especially should be the place in which people can come and their, and their whole salvation experience is vindicated because the playing field is leveled and you're not judged because of your color or your gender or your past or anything else, even if you may still be into something that you need to be made whole from. Amen. So, when I begin to you know, I, I came to the point where I was kind of fighting just to stay alive, you know, serving God, knowing that the temptations the enemy was throwing at me were so strong. And there was a tremendous spiritual fight going on. And I knew it. I knew the devil wanted to kill me. But in the midst of that, all of the fear and all of the confusion and everything that can happen to you as you begin to serve God, and, and I don't want to use the word try because that's really what we do when we first begin. We try until we begin to do. Amen. You'll never do till you begin to, you'll never do till you try. Right. Amen. But if you'll try, one day you'll do it. Yeah. Amen. I begin to learn that a lot of times uh, all of the things that were ministered to me, the love of God that helped heal me and hold me, uh, make me whole, worked the best, not when they came to me and healed me, but when they came out of me and I was able to heal and touch others. Amen. Mm -hmm. Amen. Because listen, everything that has been the trauma of your life, God wants to take that and turn that around and make that a pulpit you can preach Jesus from. Because each and every one of us, we run into people all the time who's been through the same thing we've been through. And if we can really minister to them on the level of the Word of God and the Spirit of God, it's going to be just like Jesus ministering to people like He did because you've got the Word in you, the Word will minister to them, and that's just like Jesus ministering to them. And that can make people whole, broken people. Now, let me read this. It's going to be in my, in my uh, Passion Bible, so it reads a little different. It said, uh, it said, Afterward, a Jewish religious leader named Simon. So this is not Simon Peter. Y'all got that? This is not Peter. This is a religious leader. Asked Jesus to his home for dinner, and Jesus accepted the invitation. Uh, when he went to Simon's home, he took his place at the table. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets known to all to be a prostitute. Now, now right there, we can deal with some brokenness right there. Yeah. Amen? I, I mean, you know, uh, 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 little girls don't grow up to be prostitutes. I mean, this is, this is, this is an obvious uh, uh, alteration probably from all of the dreams and desires she had as a little girl. And all of a sudden, she's living this horrible lifestyle. And if anybody needed some hope, she needs some hope. Now, one of the things I want you to see as we go through this story is the contrast between religion and Jesus. Because religion will identify and judge you in the sin that you're in. Jesus comes to set you free. Amen? Amen? If you don't believe that, go to a religious church. Go to a denominational church that have put up their creed and their code. This is how we believe, and this is only how we believe. And that thing does not conform to you. You have to conform to it. And if you conform to this, then one day down the road, you may get the seal of approval of their denomination. But in reality, all it does is eventually break your heart because there's really no substance in it. No matter how big it may be. So there's a contrast between religion and Jesus and this story is also a contrast between shame and grace 
Because nothing breaks your heart more than shame. Amen. Now notice. In the neighborhood, there was an immoral woman of the streets, known to all to be a prostitute. When she heard about Jesus being in Simon's house, she took an exquisite flask made of alabaster and filled it with the most expensive perfume and went right into the home of the Jewish religious leader and knelt at the feet of Jesus in front of all the guests. Could you imagine what that was like? That's why I tell you, you, got, you ought to meditate on the word. That's great. Now you got this hoi polloi religious leader. Had his back brace on. <laughs> Amen. I mean, he's got, you know how they can be. I mean, he's just, you know, and he, and he, so he's going to make this grand gesture and invite Jesus to his house. Thinking, you know, everything's going to be cool. I'm going to pick this guy apart. We're going to find out he's a phony. That's his attitude. You'll find that out in a little bit because that's, that's religion's attitude. It's not interested in a move of God in the day and hour in which it lives. It's interested in rehearsing and celebrate what God did a hundred years ago. But as far as what God does, is doing today, oh, no, can't be God because he's not doing it through us. You can't ever be like that. Amen? How prideful. That's all it is. Now listen to this. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over she kissed his feet. Then she opened the flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. This is a broken woman. Did you get that? All I know is this. She must have either seen him go in there or heard he was going in there. And he, she knew, this is my chance. This is my opportunity to allow the one who said he would be the healer of broken hearts to heal my heart. But she had to go into a, a religious home to do it. So she knew she was going to be judged. She knew she was going to be judged. But in the midst of that knowledge of knowing she was going to be judged... I guarantee you she knew there was an element of compassion that religion can never discover that was in Jesus because he wasn't regular. He wasn't normal. <laughs> Amen? And he don't like normal. I'm telling you, he don't like normal. He don't like religion. He don't like starch. He don't not like... St I'm telling you, you get around people. One of the funniest examples that I ever saw in my life we had this guy that used to lead praise and worship at First Assembly of God in Pasadena. He was a music uh, a major in college, and he held a doctorate in music. And he had an operatic voice, and he could play the piano and just about every instrument, and he'd sit straight as a stick at that Hammond B3 organ, and he'd play, and the Spirit of God would move, but he'd never move. He never had any emotion or anything whatsoever. So God began to deal with him about ministry. So he went into ministry. And the first three or four meetings, after he had those first three or four meetings, he was like, I don't know if I can do this or not. Because he would walk around and he'd take the Bible and he'd preach. He'd say, well, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, if any man be in Christ. I mean, just monotone. I mean, just, and, and all of a sudden someone would roll across the front of the platform and end up upside down against the wall. <laughs> I was at a meeting with him one time and a biker girl, a girl that, that, that she was part of a motorcycle gang had gotten saved and her boyfriend come stomping into the church. And he stomped up there to where this minister was and he was coming at this minister and as he made that one stomp, his foot got stuck to the floor. <laughs> now, I'm not kidding you. And he went round and round in circles fighting and, and Joe just stood back like this with his arms folded until he finally gave out. And then he walked over to the pulpit and kind of leaned on it and said, can you get your foot unstuck? He goes, pulled on it. I don't know what's happening. He began to cry. <laughs> and Joe just led him to the Lord right there and God unstuck his foot. 
I mean, that kind of stuff would happen. That shows you the humor of God. I, I, I talked to him one time, and he said, I thought I would have this great oratory pulpit ministry in which, which, uh, which everyone would, would ooh and ah at my great uh, 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 scriptural uh, explanations of God. And he said, I go and I try to teach these things, and people just start falling out drunk all over the place. Actually, there was a video, used to be, you probably go on YouTube and see it, called... Uh, uh, Joe Jordan's time to drink or something like that. Just go look up Joe Jordan. And it is, he just, I'm telling you, people just get drunk. I was with him one time. We were at Mom Goodwin's house and he was laying hands on people and people were falling out and getting drunk. And she, he reached for Mom's hand, uh, Nana's head, and Nana said, don't get your hand off of me. I don't have time to get like that tonight. But the anointing just flowed, just flowed so powerfully through him. Amen. And what it was, it was just a great manifestation of what I'm telling you. Of God will take something that might try to look religious, but if it's yielded to God, he'll twist it around, make it look, you know, people will go, oh my God, what's going on here? God, listen, God does everything in such a way in which he can maximize the potential of its glory. That's why he sent Jesus to perform these suddenly miracles. You say, why? Because it amplified and magnified who he was and it magnified his glory. Now, let's go back to the story because this is good. I just got a few minutes here. Broken and weeping, she covered his feet with tears that fell from her face. She kept crying and drying his feet with her long hair. Over and over, she kissed his feet. Then she opened her flask and anointed his feet with her costly perfume as an act of worship. Now notice, here's your religious leader. Here's religion. When Simon saw that happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. Amen. Now, this is why there's a lot of brokenhearted people in church. Because of that spirit right there. Oh, if they only know, if they only knew, if they just had information. And I'm telling you, church. I don't care what anybody's done, what anybody's going through. If they can muster enough ability to come to church, to read your Bible, to pray, to do. I mean, you come to church on Wednesday night. My goodness, God is doing everything you can do to draw you to his heart and to heal you from all the, the hurt of the past. And, and some of the, and you may, you may kind of freak out when you hear this, but some of the hurt of the future, which is a fear of repeating a calamity or tragedy that was in your past. I mean, you get enough years on you and it doesn't take many. You start seeing repeat patterns. And a lot of those repeat patterns come out of your brokenness because in that brokenness, it's kind of like a, uh, remember the old records we used to play that had the, had the you get a chip on them or a, or a scratch? And what would the scratch do? Make them go back and play the same thing again. You know, we were always too stoned to notice. <laughs> Hey, the record's skipping. Sounds good to me. <laughs> but it's true. And you can have that fear of, oh, you know, man, you go into a relationship. I tell you, people get hurt. They get wounded. They get wounded in churches. They get beat up. But in the midst of all of that, God, listen, God, I believe God's doing such a quick work in the church right now. Myself, the only thing I can say about what's been going on in the past couple of years is I've got this new tolerance in me, this new tenderness in me. As I see people hurting, I see people confused, I see, and I think to myself, my God, don't they realize this is one of the most glorious times to be alive? Then I see other people that are just so caught up in what's going on in the world, they don't understand what's going on in the spirit. That's exactly what Jesus said it would be, as in the days of Noah. See, our minds always thought there'd be these mass revivals and there'd be people getting... Well, that may happen. I hope it does. But in the meantime, what God's doing is trying to heal the core of his body so that we can become those ones in which the brokenheartedness of who we are does not keep us from entering into what God says we're supposed to do. And I know, listen, people can get broken, broken. We were, we were conducting some meetings in, in uh, San Diego, California. My aunt and uncle came out, brought a young woman with him. I'd say she was maybe in her mid-30s. 
pretty woman. She came with them for two services. Then we went back. I went back to my aunt and uncle's house to hang out with my cousins a couple of days. And she was at the breakfast table the next morning. So my aunt told her, she said, tell, tell Rusty your story. And she talked about how as a young girl, they were approached. Her, her mother and dad were approached in a store, in a mall, by a, a quote, modeling agency. Recruited her daughter to be a model. She was 12 years old. From age 12 to age 18, she was in... Uh, uh, advertisements for Walmart, J.C. Penney's, all these different places. You know, the, the kids in their uh, school clothes, kids in their summer clothes, stuff like that. You know, at age 18, uh, these, these, th this, it was a couple. It was a married couple that, that that had the confidence of these parents. Took six girls. They they went to all six of the parents, and they said, "We need to go to Tokyo, Japan, for a quick shoot. It's only going to be like fly over there. We'll be there like a day and a half, and we'll be right back. Really, don't have time to just gather a great big group. You know, we'll just, we'll take them and be right back." Well, they took them and never came back. They flew her to Bangkok, Thailand, put her in a brothel, tied her to a bed and shot her with heroin every day for 10 years as they prostituted her out. One day, her keeper left the handcuffs off as they made the bed and she ran out the door without a stitch of clothes on into the arms of American missionaries. And they brought her back here and restored her. And so as I begin to listen to her tell that story and see her eyes and watch her physical expression, and you could tell the pain that she had went through, but you could also tell that Jesus had done a work in her because she had a smile on her face. Amen? She had a skip in her step. We did some meetings there that weekend. Uh, they had my, my aunt and uncle used to be in ministry, so they gathered about, gathered about 100 people at their house, and God began to do miracles. Things began to happen. God began to manifest itself. People began to shout. People began to glorify God. And I remember stepping back because we were kind of in a living room area and these people were jammed in there. And, I, and you just watched this, this, this young lady worshiping God with her hands in the air and tears rolling down her face. And you could tell the only way she could even be alive was that Jesus would come in there and gather her heart up in his arms as she submitted unto him and allowed her brokenness to be poured out at his feet, which is the place of exchange. Amen. And sometimes that, that's what we do. We just hold it back. I can remember when I came back to the Lord, crawling up in my parents' bed and, and just asking and begging their forgiveness for, for 12 years of insanity and how in the midst of that, God just broke me and I felt like I was at the feet of Jesus. And my parents both laid their hands on me and began to pray. And a peace came on me. There's no way I can describe is that he began a process in my heart. Because, you know, some of the things we can talk about now that Pops is in heaven. But, you know, he had a tough time. The year he was declared the father of the year, I ended up in an altercation with the Galveston Police Department. Almost killed a bunch of them, almost killed myself. That was the year he was called father of the year. About five years before that, he was being honored for his work with Teen Challenge, working with drug addicts and heroin addicts on the street. Came home and had his own son pass out the at the table. Rolled up my sleeves. There's needle marks all over my arm. They knew what it was like to be broken. And they were broken. My parents, they broke them. My brother the same way, my sister the same way, just like us, all their kids. All the dreams they had for their family but you know what they had? They had the Word of God. And I listened as they told their testimonies over the years at different places about how, you know, they prayed uh, uh, over there in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go, and when they're old, they won't depart from it. And how every time there would be a little indication of, the, of God, or we were thinking of God, or this, that, they would rejoice and say, God's working on them, God's working on them, God's working on them, God's working on them. I remember when I went up to Ramah, and, and I, I, was, I was going to a rodeo school and going there at night, and, and then on Saturday, I got to go to the day meeting, and Brother Hagen stayed up front to greet people. There's about a thousand people there. So I just went up there and I was just going to shake his hand and I shook his hand and he grabbed my hand like this and he looked at me. And I said, Brother Hagen, you don't remember me? And Sister Hagen said, Dad, that's Rusty. And he looked at me and said, It's about time. <laughs> you say, Why did he say that? Because they had been praying for me and praying for me and praying for me and praying for me. Man, I tell you, you got to understand. 
a lot of you go through things and you think that, it's, that you're looking at such an impossibility. And it may be a broken relationship. It may be wayward kids like I was. It may be your body is broken. But remember what the great communion passion, passion, passage says when he held up the bread. And he said, this is my body. It was broken for you. So you don't have to be broken because he took your brokenness. But you have to come to a place in your life where you're not willing to hang on to that brokenness any longer. And you're not going to allow it to affect your thoughts. You're not going to allow it to affect uh, your, your feelings, your emotions. And it does. Sometimes it takes a great effort on your part. And you say, well, Pastor, you know, you talk about being emotional. Well, listen, your faith. Uh, let me get to the end of the story. Your faith can bring more to you than anything you have. More than your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts. Your faith brings God to you. That's what it did with the woman with the issue of blood. It brought God to her. That's what it did with the ten lepers. It brought God to them. They had to cry out, though. She had to fight through that crowd. She had to touch the hem of his garment. Listen, I think sometimes too much faith teaching and too much teaching on prosperity, we think life is just kind of going to be this, this carnival ride in which we get to get off everyone. No, no, it's not. You got to, I like, I thank God God raised me up through Brother Osteen because Brother Osteen pounded it into our, into our minds. You're going to have to fight fight life through. Life is a fight. And without Jesus, it's a losing fight because you lose at the end. But with Christ, you win. You're more than a conqueror. Now let's finish this story real quick. I got five minutes. Is this helping anybody? Now notice this. When Simon saw what was happening, he thought, this man can't be a true prophet. If he were really a prophet, he would know what kind of sinful woman is touching him. Jesus said, Simon, I have a word for you. <laughs> now listen to, listen to his religion. Go ahead, teacher, I want to hear it, he answered. It's a story about two men who were deeply in debt. One owed the bank $100,000, the other only owed $10,000. When it was obvious that neither of them would be able to repay their debtors, the kind banker graciously wrote off the debts and forgave them all that they owed. Tell me, Simon, which of the two debtors would be the most thankful? Which one would love the banker the most? Simon answered, I suppose it would be the one with the greatest debt forgiven. You're right, Jesus agreed. Then he spoke to Simon about the woman still weeping at his feet. Don't you see this woman kneeling here? She's doing for me. Now listen to this. She's doing for me what you didn't bother to do. When I entered your home as your guest, you didn't think about offering me water to wash the dust off my feet. Yet she came into your home and washed my feet with her many tears and dried my feet with her hair. You didn't welcome me into your home with a customary kiss of greeting. But from the moment I came in, she, was, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't take the time to anoint my feet with fragrant oil, but she anointed my head and feet with the finest perfume. She has been forgiven all of her many sins. This is the way she has known. This is why she has known me so, why she has known, shown me such extravagant love. But those who assume, those who assume they have very little to be forgiven will love me very little. Then Jesus said to the woman at his feet, all your sins are forgiven. All the dinner guests said among each themselves, who is the one who can forgive sin? Jesus said to the woman, your faith in me has given you life. Now you may leave and walk in the ways of shalom or peace or wholeness. Now, let me close with this. You know, we, we love doctors, but one of the most frustrating practices of medicine is psychiatry. Psychiatry frustrates those that practice it, that do, do not know God. Those that do practice it, they know, they know what's going on. 
But those that do not know God amongst them is one of the highest suicide rates among physicians in our nation because they are dealing with deeply spiritual problems with methods that they know nothing about. They're trying to fix something in the natural unfixable. Amen. Now, I'm not against them. I'm not saying anything against the practice of psychiatry, you know, that, you know I, was, I was checked out by some of the best. <laughs> Amen. They're still thinking about me. Amen. But it's very frustrating for a man to have to, or a woman to have to deal with a spiritual problem in the natural. Uh, the great shepherd psalm, Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. Now you can imagine what David must have went through. We think he got anointed by Samuel and everything went well. <laughs> he had eight angry brothers. Angry brothers. He had a king that wanted to kill him. He had a, a, a wife that was given to him that despised him. Amen. There was a price on his head and he was running for his life. Amen. That was his past. That wasn't when he wrote Psalms 23. We, I think we talked about that a few weeks ago. He, walked it, he wrote it when, when, when Absalom was trying to take, the, take the nation from him. But he had had some experience. He had been broken. Anoint me king, then break me down? He served his king seven years in Hebron before he ever united the nation and brought him to Jerusalem. But no other king on the earth has the notoriety or popularity as King David of Israel. Amen? No other one. Because the Bible says he had a heart after God's own heart. So God must have healed him. And God must have restored him. If you allow the world to try to heal your broken heart, it will be so complicated because your problem is so complicated. And much of our problems have roots in behavior in our parents and grandparents and grandparents and grandparents and grandparents and grandparents all the way back to Adam. And I remember when a move in the 90s took place of what they called inner healing, called it the inner healing move. And they got goofy. They always do. And they were trying to get people to go back and relive their past. And, and, and share the details and all this. And people would roll up in the, in the fetal position. And, and they even got so goofy as to say, well, you know, when you were born, they slapped you on the wrong side of the head or something. I mean, they got really goofy. <laughs> we were holding a conference in Dublin, Ireland, a lady in a prayer line, just weeping. I mean, just sobbing and weeping. Had actually been to one of those meetings the night before. And the minister told her she had a secret sin she knew nothing about. Amen. And of course, me and all my cooth and wisdom. But thank God for the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. I said, if I hit you in the head with a hammer, what would it do? She said, it would hurt. I said, if you did something that displeased God, what would it do? She said, it would hurt. I said, do you hurt? She says, no. I said, you have no secret sin. None of us do. None of us have secret sin. None of us have things that, that are hidden in us that we know nothing about. We're all very aware of the marks, the bloodshot eyes. We're all very aware of why we look with the way we do, why we act the way we do. But in the midst of all of that, there is a simplicity, and that is this. Jesus said, I'm come to heal the brokenhearted period. So no matter what has broken your heart, you may have to spiritually posture yourself like the woman did and just go to your prayer closet, go to your bedroom, go to the beach, wherever you go to be alone and get quiet and just say, God, here I am. I really don't know how to fix all this. I really don't know how to, to, to do all this that seems to be looming in front of me to be the whole person you want me to be. All I know is, is I'm broken enough to be here to tell you I want to do it. Because if we really realize it, 
We're all kind of like that prostitute, not in behavior, but in bruising and in hurting and that most of our pain is self-inflicted. Many times we're not willing to say that. But at the end of the day, I've always found this out. If you'll just plead guilty, God is quick to restore and forgive. But if you plead your case, that's how you end up in that brokenheartedness and bitterness and all that type of thing in which, you know, really, what are you doing when you plead your case? You're just trying to get God to side with you. I'd rather side with Him. His words and stories have all the power. Admit you're wrong if you're wrong. Seek forgiveness if you need to. Forgive if you need to. But do not sit right where you are in your life and allow some hurt to continue without tonight beginning the process of being healed. Amen? And if you'll begin the process, if the seed of this word can go into your spirit. I know the enemy, he tried, he's trying to confuse me and do all kinds of things to me tonight because God knew, or he knew, that God was fixing to do some things in some people's lives to really help them and heal them. Amen? Amen? pastor friend of mine said something to me. Guys, he said, you know, one thing I like about you, Rusty, is you don't have to have a giant church to feel good. I said, what? He said, most of my friends, if their church isn't full, if they're not, not millions of dollars full, they don't feel good. You, you feel good. You, you seem like you're having a good time everywhere you go. I said, I am. I'm having a good time everywhere I go. I'm enjoying my life because I got the life of God in it. Well, are you totally whole? And no, I'm still, there's still areas God's working on me. Like I said recently, this new, this new, this new tenderness. I, I don't know. Maybe we're growing together in love. Amen. Amen. When you love, you give. Amen. I mean, we're fixing to give our community a great outreach, and, and there's people that are gonna get to go to heaven Amen. because we paid and prayed the price to bring Jesus to them. You say, how many need to get saved? One, as far as I'm concerned. Because Jesus would have died for that many. We trust there'll be many more people. I think I counted uh, January, we had 17 people. Either get right with God or get saved for the first time. Isn't that good? You say, do you count them? Yeah, they count. They all count. Hallelujah. Now here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to lift, we're going to lift our hands. I'm going to pray a prayer in just a moment. And if there's some brokenness in you anywhere, remember this about God. Let me read that. Thank you, Lord, for reminding me of that. Can I read you one scripture? Psalms 35. Let me find it here. <laughs> this is good. You'll like this. Psalms 35, verse 18. No, excuse me, 34. Psalms 34, verse 18. This is in my Passion Bible. The Lord is close to all whose hearts are crushed by pain. He is always ready to restore the repentant one. I have seen people in great pain through deaths of loved ones, bankruptcies, failures in their life, but the pain began to become what defined them. And it turned into bitterness. It just turned right into bitterness. There's no mechanism in you to cry out when your heart's broken. You carry it. You carry it with you until that healing process begins. We listened to Dr. Oral Roberts. For you that don't know, he lost two children. One of the most promising couples of ministry to come out of his life his daughter and son-in-law died in a plane crash. He had a son that died of a heroin overdose because of his tour of duty in Vietnam and he came back a drug addict. He, he told me, he said, this, it broke me. He said, but out of that brokenness came a great healing ministry and a huge university where Christian kids can get educated today. Came out of that brokenness. All that darkness and brokenness, that's what came out of it. 
Because just like the illustration I always tell you guys about the diamond, it's against the backdrop of the darkness of your life that when the light of God shines in your life, people see. You say, well, everybody knows what's going on in my life. That's okay. They also see who you are now. They also know who you are now. And that's a great testimony to the one that came to heal the brokenhearted. If you're here tonight, I'm not going to ask for hands or anything like that. I'm just going to ask everybody to raise their hands. And I'm going to pray a prayer. And as I pray a prayer tonight, if you need that prayer in your life, I want you to grab a hold of it and pull it into your life and join your faith with my faith. And I don't believe, yeah, I don't. I don't believe anybody in here is not in the process of continuing to press forward to find something in God that you don't have yet, or you wouldn't be here on Wednesday night, and I wouldn't be here teaching you. Amen? So let me pray, and as I pray, you listen with your heart, with your ears, your spiritual ears. And if you need this, you let your faith grab hold of it. Heavenly Father, we come to you by faith, the only way we can. We come in the name of Jesus, faith in that name, and the access that it provides. Father, you know every hair on our head. You know everything about us. You know every thought we think. You know our motivations, our desires. You know where we're broken, where we're hurting, where we need restoration and wholeness. Lord, in relationships, in the loss of friends and loved ones, the terror and panic that's upon this earth right now. Lord, in things in our past that seems to be a weight in our hearts that keep us from moving forward in spiritual things and receiving the true blessings of God. Father, we open our hearts to you tonight as the woman in all her brokenness and all of her pain came, knelt at the feet of Jesus, her emotions could not contain it. Her emotions could not contain the hurt, the pain, the disappointment, the self-loathing, the shame. But Father, I thank you when she knelt at the feet of your Son, our Savior and Lord. I thank you she knelt at the feet of mercy. And Father, we kneel at the same place tonight, at the feet of mercy. Lord, we don't need a public display of emotion. We need a seed planted in our spirit man that can begin the process this night of wholeness and healing in our heart where we can truly say we have forgiven, moved on, gone forward, covered all of the past with the love of God, where we quit being touchy and fretful and resentful, and where we let the pain of others no longer infect us but Lord, we bring healing to them. We thank you for that, Father. And devil, you're a liar. You've tried to intimidate, manipulate, and control long enough. People in their broken soul, in their mind, their emotions, their will, people broken in their bodies with diseases and things that doctors say we have to live with. We declare we are living in the days of the acceptable year of the Lord, where salvation is acceptable, Deliverance is acceptable. Healing is acceptable. And all that you've done for us in Christ, Father, we accept in our lives. Father, we say it. Help us to do it. We tell you whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. You do it, Lord. Take not your spirit. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable in your sight as we yield unto you more and more, day after day, week after week, month after month, till one day we'll yield to something so powerful it will break the hold of gravity from off of our bodies. We will rise into the heavens and in the clouds to be with you. Our bodies will become glorified. Death will lose its hold. The grave will be cheated. And we will forever be with Him. With His plan, His will, and His purpose in our life. But Father, now, as this dispensation comes to a close, the iniquity and sin 
of mankind that began 6,000 years ago in the garden you created for them has mastated into the iniquity and sin of men beyond comparison as wicked as any other generation that has ever lived upon the earth. So Father, we thank you that where this world system has scorched our lives, you bring that healing balm of Gilead. In our past life before Christ, anything that lingers and tries to hang on, we say, Lord, heal and deliver. Set us free and make us whole. Lord, in our walk with you, our disappointments, our shame where the enemy has done things unto us to deceive and destroy. But Father, you've redeemed us, restored us. Let our healing be complete. Let our wholeness be sure. We receive from you tonight, Father. Spirit of God, do that work only you can do. Word of God, release that power, that same power that raised Christ from the dead that abides and dwells in us, that quickens and makes alive the brokenness of our lives. In Jesus' name. Now lift your hands and thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Isn't God good? Stand on your feet, if you will. Now, don't forget prayer tomorrow night. Great event this weekend. I know the weather's going to be a little cool, but that's all right. Amen. We're going to have a great time. We've covered it with prayer. Come tomorrow night if you can. We're just going to rejoice and thank God for what he's doing. Amen. And then Friday night, be sure and be here. It's going to be an awesome time. They've prepared some things that I think will be informative, entertaining. And if there's anything else, well, we'll just enjoy it. Amen. <laughs> Glory to God. We sure love you guys. You're such a blessing to us. And you're also a blessing to God because you're doing your best to obey everything he's saying to do. And I guarantee you'll never regret it the longest day in eternity. Amen. Father, thank you for tonight. As we leave, we declare your protection, your safety, your blessing upon us. We declare no evil befalls us. No plague comes nigh our dwelling place. The angels of God have charge over us. We declare, Father, in all of our travels, the highways, airways, seaways, railways, any other way of travel or transportation, the righteous labor of our hands. Father, uh, over our meeting coming up, this weather may, may be cold. We thank you, Father. Uh, no ice of any kind, no icing. We thank you, Father. We'll be blessed. Won't be as severe as they say. Temperate with the warm air of the Gulf as it blows into it. In Jesus' name. Father, we thank you also that that spirit of evangelism will revive in us this week. That this inspiring testimony, Lord, joined with all of our testimonies, will continue to resonate throughout all of Galveston Island and Galveston County as we seek you, Lord, on how to bring in this harvest you said belongs to the church in these last days. Fathers, we leave tonight. We walk in faith and love towards you. We walk in love toward one another. Thank you for our church. We leave as the ambassadors of Christ you've called us to be. Thanking you, Lord, here at Island Church. We're covered by the blood, empowered by the word, anointed by the Holy Ghost. God bless you. Thank you for listening to Island Church's podcast. To find out more information about Island Church in Galveston, Texas, visit our website at islandchurchgalveston.com.